if you've been here the last couple of Sundays, then you know that standard is Jesus. He's called us to be like Him. He's called us to, uh, to, to, to walk and to talk and to act like Him. And I, as we were singing this last song, it, it, there, there's, a, there's a point in that song where there's a, there's a little bit of prayer. It says, so take me as you find me. Man, that's powerful. If you, can, if you can begin to pray that, instead of, wait a minute, God, let me get myself fixed, and then I'll be here. But take me as you find me. Take me like I am, Lord. All my fears and failures. Folks, that, that sums most of us up, if we'll just be honest. I mean, I, I say this all the time. In fact, some people told me to quit saying this, but hey, we're all messed up. All of us, every one of us, from here to there to the you know wall to wall, treetop tall, we're just we're all messed up. We really are. And if we just, I mean, that doesn't mean we 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 don't we don't revel in that. We don't joy in that. That's just reality, though. Okay. But if we'll just admit that, then there's a place to move from and a place to go. And so this morning, what I want to share this morning is something that I'll guarantee you have probably heard every Sunday if you've gone to church. You've heard it every every time you've gone to church. But I, I want to share it maybe in a little different way. It, it just it it it's something that God's been been dealing with me and and been been showing me over the last couple of years and. And I, I wish I completely understood it, but I don't. And, and I don't think anybody here will completely understand it. But that doesn't mean we can't grasp it. And that doesn't mean we can't live it out. Years ago, and it's, been, it's beginning to be a lot more years than I want to remember, when I played football at Mormon Jordan, we, we would prepare to play an opponent. We would prepare physically and we would prepare mentally. It's not just physical, it's mental as well. And I don't know what the percentage ratio should be, but I do know that the mental aspect is, is just as important as the physical aspect. You can have a chiseled athletic body, which I never had, okay? I, I, look, like, I look like skin stretched over bones, basically. <laughs> uh, I think I, when I graduated, I weighed 160 pounds. But uh, you can have that chiseled athletic body, you, you can, and it can, be, it can be honed to razor sharpness, and you can have the speed of a cheetah. But if your mind's not right, you'll get beat. That's just reality. Uh, athletic ability is not always enough. There, there has to be mental preparation. If, you, if your mind's not right, you get beat. And, 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 and if you don't believe you can, you know what? You won't. That's just... Reality. If you if you don't think correctly, guess what? You won't do what you need to do when you need to do it. Uh, I love to listen to the coaches talk about their mental preparation, and and they go into to. I mean, they even have sports psychologists that that meet with teams now. That it's it's a big deal. Now they don't they don't sacrifice the physical aspect, but they understand that that mental aspect, how you think, is 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 important as as is your physical ability. And, and listen, if we don't think right, we won't act right. You don't act right to think right. It has to start in here and in here before it can come out here. And if, you know what, if this is especially true in, in being what I'm calling a normal Christian. If I want to be like Jesus, 
I've got to think properly. I've got to think correctly. If I don't believe something's possible, you know what? It won't be. If I don't think I can, if you don't think you can, you won't. And listen, if you ask the wrong questions and believe the wrong answer, you will never taste what the normal Christian life is all about. Our thinking has to change. We have to get our minds right. Jesus said this in in, uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32. He says, if you continue to, in my word, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. He, He didn't say, if you just read the truth and memorize the truth, you'll be free. He said, if you know the truth, if you experience the truth, that truth will do something to you. It will come out of you. It will make you free. We have to know the truth. We have to believe the truth. We can't just be, uh, as, as James says, we have to become doers of the word. Okay? Which means we have to act on what we say we believe. And what I want to share, as I mentioned earlier, what I want to share with you this morning is, is, is stuff that you know. I mean, there's, I doubt there's anybody here that doesn't know this. But do we really believe it? Is it something that's lodged here that's never moved to here? Folks, this is the longest distance there is. Okay? From here to here. From it being a fact or something you know to it becoming a reality that you live. And, and for us to become normal, there are some things that have to move out of our mind. It's not just a, a rational thing. It's not just a logical thing. It's, it's real. And it has to move into here. It's truth. And that truth has to become a reality. Listen, uh, we can say we believe it, and you've heard me say this before, but if we don't act it out, we don't really believe it. And this is one of the things that, that, that I want what I teach and what I preach to be. I want it to be not just relevant. I want it to be something we use in our daily life. And so if, if what I share on Sundays, I can't, I can't bring into where we can use it in our daily life, then I've failed, okay? I, you're not here for a lecture. You're not here to gain something intellectually. You're here to get something you can use, and you can use tomorrow or Friday or Wednesday. Any day during this week. And so this morning, what I want to share with you is is something you can truly use. But you're going to have to wrap your head around it and then wrap your heart around it. You're going to have to really see if, if you really believe it. And has it moved from here to here? Or do we still think like orphans? And, and really what I'm talking about this morning, what I, what I want to entitle this is dealing with orphan thinking. And there's a, there's, a, there's a mindset in the body of Christ that we're going to look at and we're going to examine. And it, it, it's, it's centered around the unconditional love of God. How many of you have ever heard the word agape? It's God's unconditional love. We like to, we like to, to, to use that word. We like to spout that word out. We like to tell each other that God's love is unconditional. But most of us have never really grabbed hold of what unconditional love is. You say, well, how do you know that? By the way we act. By the way we talk. Listen. We think like orphans. 
and we don't really understand the unconditional love of God, I want you to understand something. Jesus operated out of God's unconditional love. He demonstrated it, okay? But here's the key. He rested in it. You see, he knew God loved him. He wasn't there just to love people. First, he had to receive God's love before he could love anybody else. But sadly, most of us, we think like orphans when it comes to our understanding of, of God's unconditional love. And we, we ask questions, and, and these kind of questions, they kind of haunt us in the middle of the night and, and when we're confronted uh, with, with failure and when we, when, we, when we mess up miserably and fail. Questions like, you know what, if I just prayed more. If I just read my Bible more, maybe if I just witness more, if, 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 if I were a better person. You know, if I just, if I just did more. You ever said that? Let's just be honest. Have you ever, you ever said that? You ever thought that? Maybe if I just did more, I would feel God's love. I'd feel the pleasure of his love for me. You know, I must not be doing enough for God to really love me. Now, most of y'all are looking at me. And you're going, nah, it's not me. Folks, let me just tell you, that's all of us. Most of the time. Whether you want to admit it or not. That's how we think. And that's orphan thinking. It's thinking that there's something in me that keeps God from loving me. I'm going to say this more than once this morning. God loves you. Right where you are. He's taking you as you are. And He loves you. But most of us think like orphans when it comes to understanding this unconditional love. This is, this is what I call stinking thinking. Okay, And it poisons our relation with Jesus. And it keeps us trapped behind a wall of our own making. It, 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 it causes us to put up a wall between God and us. Because we're, we're fearful. We're afraid. We, we think, well, there, there's something wrong with us. Listen, let's just get it out and open. There is something wrong with us. Okay? Let's just be honest. All of us have got issues. So there's something wrong with us. I don't have to build a wall to hide it. People that live around me all the time know it. Okay? People that, that, that are close to me and stay with me a, a good bit of the time, they'll see it sooner or later because I just can't keep it in. It just oozes out. And it oozes out of you. I'm not. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you what my issue is, okay? And I'm not going to ask you what yours is. But we have to move away from from this kind of thinking because folks, if we ever hope to get our minds right, we have to believe some things. And one of those things we have to believe is that we are completely, radically, unconditionally loved by God. I can hear some of you thinking, but. There are no buts in that sentence. Okay? Every one of us have to come to the place where we can agree in the depths of our hearts with what the Apostle John said there in 1 John chapter 3, the very first part of the, of the verse. He says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed. That word bestowed means to lavish. And that word lavish is the picture of somebody, I'm just going to use this illustration, but it's somebody with a container. Let's just say a teacup. 
And the person that's, that's going to fill the tea t- cup, he doesn't have a dainty little pitcher. He has a five-gallon bucket. He just pours. And when the teacup gets full, it just starts to run over, just continues to pour. That's what the word lavish means. It means to pour and pour and pour and pour until it runs over and runs around me. And I'm just, I'm, I'm buried in it. I'm flooded by it. Folks, it says, see how great a love the Father has bestowed. He's lavished on us that we would, should be called children of God. And listen to John. And such we are. And say that with me this morning. And such we are. Do do you really, really believe that? John says, and such we are. Listen to me. Because Christ has adopted us, because we've been adopted by, by God, a normal Christian lives from love, not for love. I want you to hear me. We don't live for love. We live from love. We are loved. Past tense. Okay? Which means we have been loved, we are loved, and we are being loved. We will always be loved. It's an eternal love. God loves us. Now you may not believe that, but the message of the Old Testament can be boiled down in in literally two directions. Here's the message of the Old Testament. We're to love God horizontally. We're to love one another vertically. That's the Old Testament. That's the law and the prophets. That's what Jesus said. There was a young man that came to Jesus and he said, Teacher, in in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, he said, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Now, he didn't stop there. He didn't even take a breath there. He said, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. That's Jesus' way. The law and the prophets was Jesus' way of saying the Old Testament. We're to love God. And we're to love one another. I'm not real complex, okay? I, I didn't do very well in math. I just couldn't get all the steps. I love the way Jesus talks. Jesus is very simple. He said, let's just boil the Old Testament down. It's pretty thick. There's lots of chapters with, with uh, you know, this bull and that bull and this goat and this goat and a plate goes here and this turban goes on here and it's wrapped this way and it's got to be wrapped that way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all say, Nelson, you must be reading Leviticus. I am. I'm trying my best to get through Leviticus right now. Jesus said, let's just, let's just sum it up. Love God. Love each other. If you do that, then you know what? You will have accomplished what God was looking for anyway. But you know what? We struggle to love God, much less struggle to love people. Right? Let's just be honest. How many of you... Have an issue. I don't want you to raise your hand, okay? But you struggle loving God. You, do, you, don't, you don't understand Him. He doesn't make sense most of the time. You know, I know He loves Him, but, but you know, I'm struggling to love Him. And so what happens is we seek to perform. We love those words servant and, and bond servant and serve. 
And, and those are important words, but ultimately what God's looking for is lovers. Okay? He's looking for relationship. Relationship. That's why he created Adam and Eve. And by extension, you and me. He wanted relationship. He has angels. They serve him. They do his bidding. They do what he wants. He doesn't need us necessarily to serve him. Servanthood is a mindset and a heart attitude more than it is the work of your hands, okay? It's a position we put ourselves in. God wants relationship. And folks, we have to get to that place where we get away from performing, but we tend to want to perform because that's what we're taught as children. And we we strive to gain what, what we've already been given. Listen, if you had a million dollars in the bank, let's just be honest. If you had won the lottery, okay? I don't know how many millions of dollars you have. Would you still be buying lottery tickets or would you use the money that's yours? Y'all don't like that. I know that, that's not a religious illustration. That's just a real everyday illustration. I was paying attention to it. You know what? The amount of money was mind-boggling. But if, if you refused to write checks on that money, there's a word for you, okay? You, you fill that blank in any way you want to. You use the word you want to use, okay? But folks, that's what we try to do with God. We try to get Him to love us when He already loves us. And He doesn't just love us a little bit. He lavishes his love. He just pours it out in buckets on us. All we have to do is just stand like this and catch as much as we can and soak in it. But most of us are frantic running to and fro hectically trying to get God to love us when he already loves us. We're trying to get him to do something that he's already done, that we already have. And then we fail to, we don't just fail, we fail miserably to to obey the commandment that Jesus gave. Jesus said, love God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And, And we struggle to love him with anything because we've missed the prerequisite of loving God. And if you don't get anything else today, you need to get this. The key to walking in this kind of success and, 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 and the key uh, that to, to, to finding what that prerequisite is means getting rid of this mentality that we have that, that we're plagued by being an orphan. Listen to me, before you can walk in love, which is the lifestyle that Jesus, what we want to walk and we want to love our neighbor, but you know what? Before I can get there, I have to be able to receive the constant flow of God's love. I have to be willing to soak up his love before I can even love him, much less my neighbor. Next week, we'll look at my neighbor and myself, okay? But this week, we're going to look at this aspect because if we can't learn to love, we will never be normal, okay? We'll never be like Jesus. This this is where it starts at. You say, well, what about grace? We'll get to grace. But if I can't love God and take a step back from that, and I can't receive the love that he has for me, 
then I'll, I'll never get anywhere else. It, 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 I'm stunned. I'm starving to death. My bones are showing because I'm dying, because I'm not getting the nourishment that I need. And so we have, to, we have to learn to receive God's love. You, you, didn't, you didn't have to love him first, and you didn't love him first, okay? You may think you did, but you didn't. No, he loved you before the foundation of the world. For some of you, listen, I'm, I'm calling you out this morning. For some of you, you need to hear this for the first time. You've heard it a bazillion times, but you've never really heard it. God loved you before he created anything. How did he do that? He's God. He's he's not future and past and present means nothing to him. I had another word there, but chose not to use it, okay? It doesn't mean anything, okay? Because he is now. Everything is now for God. The past and the future. Why? He's not contained in time, okay? He knew you before you were ever thought about by your parents, before anybody walked on this planet, before there was a planet, God knew you. And guess what? He loved you. He loved you. Before we were ever thought of, before we ever did anything right or wrong, folks, 1 John 4, 19, this comes out of the King James. It says, we love him. Why do we love him? Because he first loved us. God loved us first, which then enables us to love him in return. Folks, we have to live our lives empowered and energized from His love, not trying and not straining and get, trying to gain His love. We have to live energized by His love. And when you do that, when you don't do that, it's, you're living out of your own strength and you're living out of your own determination. You're living out of your own willpower. And you know what? Love doesn't flow freely. You ever had a, a hose pipe that would spit and sputter and, and you wonder if you got any water pressure? And you find out it's kinked. Well, folks, that's where we're at. Most of us are kinked. Okay? And the love of God can't get out. And every once in a while it spits and sputters a little bit, but most of it's just air. It just makes noise. We make noise. The church is filled with noise instead of power and love. And it's because we can't receive. Folks, you can't give if you have not received. Here, here's a word for you in marriage. If you're married, listen to me. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100%. And there are seasons when, when you are called to give and the other spouse has nothing to give and there are seasons when you don't have anything to give and all you can do is take. Okay? And the other one has to give. That's just reality. And if we can't receive... God's love, we certainly can't give it. And what happens is we waste our time trying to get God to do something He's already done. It's like sitting at the table with a banquet of the best food in the world and refusing to open our mouth and put a fork in it. Folks, orphan thinking takes root because we really don't understand God's unconditional love. 
We don't get it, okay? Because what we tend to do as human beings is to put restrictions on our relationships. If you do this, I'll respond. And if I respond, maybe you'll do this. And when you do this, I'll do that. And that's not how, that's how all of us do, okay? We do that with our children. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our friends. It's if, if, if. It's, it's, it's more of a, 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 a transactional kind of love. And that's not the kind of love Jesus demonstrated. He broke the transactional nature of relationships by requiring nothing of us. You need to let that sink in. God requires nothing from us to love us. I'm going to say that again. God requires nothing from us to love us. Man, that just blows right over the top of my head. I, I just can't understand that. I can't grasp that. Not only does he require nothing from us, he doesn't want anything from us for us to receive that love. It's unconditional. That's what the word means. No conditions. You mean, you mean, you mean, you know what? God loves drug addicts, prostitutes, presidents. He loves the poor. He loves the rich. He loves black, white, red, and yellow. He doesn't see those things, folks, because his love is not conditioned on anything. He loves us because he created us and he has chosen to love us. Folks, we have to live our lives empowered by that kind of love. He didn't ask anything of us when we were still lost. I love this verse. Every one of you can quote this verse. But the problem is we quote it and we don't really understand what it means. We've heard it so many times it it just becomes words that we mumble. For God so loved the world. Folks, that's not just the elect. That's the world. That's every human being who's ever drawn a breath. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's love demonstrated. He gave the most precious thing he had for us. And you know what? God asked nothing in return, nothing, before he would love you. He loved you without condition. I want you to listen really carefully to to Romans chapter 5 verse 6 and 8. It says, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then Paul, Paul kind of gives us a, a, a you know, he, he just kind of gives us a thought there. He says, for one would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God. See, what what he's contrasting is human thought and God. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
Folks, before we did anything, before we ever thought about God, He died for us. He sent His Son Jesus to die for us. He died for us even before we were born, before we could do right or wrong. And you know what? You will always, no matter whether or not you receive Christ or not, you will always be unconditionally loved by God. Let that settle. Because I just that just blows me away. That's not how we think. That's not the way uh, we try to wire ourselves. But that's the way God wants us to be wired. Folks, He loves you unconditionally. You can't change that okay and you can't mess that up there's nothing that we can do to change it or to mess it up God has chosen to love us to love you no matter what now if that's true okay and I believe it is I believe that's what scripture teaches that's what unconditional love is then most certainly I can't make God love me anymore. Yes or no? I don't know. It just kind of goes against what I really believe. The way I live. You, yes, I can or no, I can't. We can't make God love us anymore. And we can't make him love us any less. Yeah, but, but what? Yeah, 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 but what if I do this? What if I... What if you did it? You've already done that. Most of us have before, he, before we ever came to him. That's the way we behaved all the time before we got to know him. And he still loved us. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, that, you know, that's, but what about that? Listen, God loves you. And you're loved not because of anything you can ever do or anything you could ever say, who you are, who you're not, where you've been, what you've accomplished. You are loved because you are God's son or daughter. You're his child. Now, I want to say something. The average Christian struggles with that. Okay? The average Christian struggles with that. They struggle with the unconditional love of God. But a normal Christian realizes that the Christian life is about choosing to receive Christ's forgiveness and to receive Christ's love. Listen, Jesus didn't die for for a handful of people. He died for the whole world. 1 John 2.2 says, And he himself is the propitiation. He's the satisfaction. That's a a Greek word that, that means satisfaction for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for also for those of the whole world. Now you can translate that, parse it any way you want it to be, but that's what it means. John is very specific. He said, look, Jesus died for everybody. He's the satisfaction for everybody's sin. That's how much God loves everybody. I don't know if you realize this or not, if you've ever thought about this, but but Jesus received the same kind of love we receive. You ever thought about that? He heard God speak to him at his baptism. If you think back to his baptism... 
When John baptized him and, and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and rested on him, he heard God speak. God spoke. And he didn't just speak so that Jesus could hear him. He spoke so that creation could hear him as well. And it's, it's interesting. Every time I read those passages, I am, I am gripped by the words that God uses. In, in Mark chapter 1, verse 11, this, these are the words that he, he uses. This is before Jesus ever does a miracle. This is before Jesus ever preaches a sermon. This is before Jesus heals that first person or casts out that first demon. This is before he ever teaches an authoritative lesson. God speaks to his son, folks, with a declaration. He declares something, and it's a declaration of validation, and it's a declaration of commendation. And, and here's what he hears. He says, you are my beloved son. Now, if we just stopped right there, that would be amazing. You are the son I love. That's, that's what he says. Let's just put it in language we can understand. You are my son. I love you. Now he's done nothing, okay? No, nobody knows that he's any different than anybody else. He's just, he's just a young Jewish man, 30 years old, carpenter. He hadn't done any miracles. He hadn't walked on any water. He hadn't turned water to wine. He hadn't done any of that stuff. Before he does anything, listen to what God says. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I got to tell you something. If my parents had said that when I was a kid, I would have straightened up and I would have listened. Because what gets communicated to us as little kids is, is if you don't do right, you're not loved. And the more you do right, the more you're loved. And we take that into our relationship with our Heavenly Father, and then we don't ever receive His love. We, we, don't ever, we don't ever open the door and let it flow in. It's flowing. It's lavished on us. It's pouring all around us. But man, we're huddled in a little cave with the doors locked. And folks, God's, God told his son, he said, you are my beloved son. I love you. You're, you're, the, you're the apple of my eye. You are, you are my heart. And I'm pleased with you. And it's interesting what Jesus did. He didn't argue with it. He never went up into the mountains and said, you know what, if I can just overcome the devil here, God will love me more. I'll get more power. He didn't do any of that stuff. He just received it. He just opened his arms and let God just pour it out on him. And then he started walking in it. I know God loves me. You know what? When you know God loves you and you begin to walk in it, you're bold. You, you, there, there's not a lot of fear. You know what? Nobody, they can't, they can't kill you. They, they might can kill you, but they can't eat you. It's that mindset, okay? I know some of you, that's, I know what I'm talking about. There's just no fear. If God loves, I mean, Paul says it. Hey, if God's for me, who can be against me? See, we don't receive it, but Jesus received it. He received that love. And when he received it, 
He didn't argue with it. He didn't try to negotiate with it. He just rested in it. And folks, that's why his life and his ministry were so strong. It was normal. He lived out of normalcy. He lived being a normal person who who received the love of God, who just bathed in it. It was like a shower all the time. The bucket followed him wherever he went. Listen, God's got a bucket for you and he's got a bucket for me, metaphorically speaking. And no matter where you're at right now, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been, where you've been or what's been done to you, that bucket is pouring out. All you have to do is just receive it. All you have to do is just lay back in it and drink it. this, This picture, I'll never forget in the in the eighth grade when I went out for football. I had I'd I'd grown up on a farm. I had been hot. I had hauled hay. I had worked hard, but I had never been so hot. Okay? I had never run so much. And when I got home, I lay in the bathtub with my head under the faucet and just let the water pour on my face and run out of my mouth. And to me, that's a picture, folks, of what God wants to do for us. We are exhausted on our own, okay? And God is just pouring out of a bucket His love on us, and all we have to do is open our mouths. I love the Old Testament passage that says, open your mouth and I'll fill it. I love what Paul said. If God's for us, who can be against us? Jesus understood that, and so He didn't worry about what everybody else said. He didn't worry about what the devil said. He just went about his business because he knew God loved him. And if God loves me, how can anything else harm me? How can anything else hurt me? It was normal for him. And that's why he could say things like this in John 15, 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. See, Jesus is fulfilling the greatest commandment there. He's fulfilling his own words. He's loving God and he's loving others. And because he loved God and because he could receive the love of God, then he could love those disciples. I don't know if you, you've ever paid a lot of attention, but they were not a really great bunch of guys. I mean, I don't know what your opinion of Donald Trump is, and, and this is not a political thing, but Donald just says anything Donald wants to say, okay? Jesus had 12 Donalds following him around. They just said whatever came in their mind. They just acted on whatever they thought they wanted to do. He had 12 of them, and he said, hey, just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. I probably shouldn't have said that. and We'll probably have to cut that out. But hey, (laughs) it's a great illustration. Just as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Abide in my love. Just remain. That's what the word abide means. It means to live in. Just receive it. Jesus received from God. And then he turned around and he loved others out of that love. That's how God's love flows, folks. The reason we're not able to love is because we're not receiving God's love. We've got nothing to love with except willpower. And can I just tell you, willpower is worthless. 
How many of you, your New Year's resolution this year was to lose a little weight? How's that working? I've quit writing that one down. Okay, I'm seriously, for years I wrote that down, things I wanted to accomplish, my goal. You know what? Three days in the new year, I could just do this on that one because the willpower was gone. That piece of chocolate cake had overwhelmed me or that, those, those, those uh, chocolate-covered pecans or whatever they are. Willpower will not get us where we need to be when it comes to this, folks. We have to learn to receive God's love. That was normal for Jesus. And if we want to be like Jesus, it has to become normal for us. So, but you, you don't understand where I've been. You don't understand what I've done. God loved you before you did that. Before you went there. Yeah, but you don't know what a child... God loved you before you were even born. Every excuse we have, he can go back father, okay? He loved us before the foundation of the world, before anything was ever here. He loved us. And so it was normal when Jesus received his love to love other people. It flowed out of him. And that's got to become normal for us. That, that's got to become our standard. We have to receive God's love and then love others out of that flow. John fifteen twelve says, This is my commandment. That you love one another just as I have loved you. In other places, Jesus says, if you really love me, you'll do what I say. And then he says this, this is my commandment that you love one another. In other words, I want you now because you have received. He assumes that we are going to receive that love. That we're going to to grasp it and embrace it. He assumes that once we receive it, then it's natural for us to love other people. That's his commandment, folks. It's not a if you want to. This is not a hope so. This is a you better do so kind of thing. If you and I don't receive that love, we, we, we can't extend it, folks. The source in this situation is essential. If it comes out of our own personal strength, if it comes out of our willpower or determination, it'll always be limited to our capacity to love. And our capacity is built on conditions. Conditions. If you do this, then then I'll do this. But folks, if God is the source, then you have unlimited resources to draw on. It boggles my mind when I read these words. This, this, This is one of those places in Scripture... I, when I read it, I just have to back up and put my hand over my mouth. I don't understand it. But Scripture says when they stretch Jesus out on that cross and they begin to drive those spikes through his wrists and through his feet, he's praying. He doesn't say, Father, forgive them one time. The text indicates, the tense indicates that he was going, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Bang. Father, forgive them. They don't know what to do. Bang. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. I back away from that and I go, I don't understand that. I I don't grasp that kind of love. But folks, he understood it. Because he received it from the Father. Therefore, he could give it to everyone. 
You see, if he'd only given it to those guys that followed him, those ladies that supported him, took care of him, those people that listened to his message and acted on it, then it would have been conditioned. That's not what happened. His love was unconditional. It didn't just flow over those people. It washed over everybody. It washed over the religious leaders that were making plans to kill him even as he preached. It washed over the Roman leaders who who did their best to get out of it, but then gave in. It washed over everybody. It washed over the guy who listened to the message and thought, this guy's nuts, turned around and went home. It washed over everyone, folks. And so if, if we have God as the source of that love, then we've got unlimited resources drawn. Even if somebody refuses to love us back, even if, if, if they make fun of us, we can continue operating in that kind of love because we're receiving. It's not dependent on that other person. Not a result of their performance. It's unconditional. Folks, when we abide in the love of Jesus, the love you receive is unlimited. So the love that you're able to give is unlimited. It just flows through. We become a conduit, a pipe. It carries His love. Our thinking has to change. Folks, we've believed a lie. Orphan thinking will never give you the boldness of Jesus. It will never empower us or enable us to achieve the standard of Jesus, to be normal Christians, to be what He intended. So if Jesus is the standard, if he's the measuring of what a normal Christian is, then we've got to learn to receive God's love like he received it. That's where it's got to start. Because if I can't love God, I'll never love my neighbor. I won't love myself. If I can't just receive his love. Orphan thinking will always create doubt. It will always create discouragement. And it will always defeat you in your mind. And if you don't think correctly, if you don't prepare yourself mentally, it won't matter how many verses you memorize. Okay? It won't matter how many times you share the gospel. It won't matter how many times you walk an aisle, kneel at at an altar, or get dunked in a baptismal pool. It won't matter. If we don't learn to receive God's love. All of that stuff is important. But none of that stuff makes God love us. So if we don't think correctly, folks, we'll never love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind. And according to Jesus' words, If we don't do that, then we have failed at the greatest commandment. See, we want to obey something. We want to do something. And the very thing we want to do is impossible for us to do unless we just receive. I'll never forget, several years ago, Kathy and I went... uh, we went on a, a trip in Europe. And we went to, you don't see a lot of this. You see some of it in America, but not nearly to the, to, the, to the level you see in Europe. 
But I'll never forget around some of the places that we went, some of the, the famous cathedrals and some of the famous sightseeing places. We were in Prague. And, and I'll never forget the beggars. And folks, I don't mean people that, that tag team each other under the underpass and hold up a sign, we'll work for food, but won't work for food. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people with no legs who drag themselves around on a little, some kind of deal, a piece of wood with some wheels. I'm talking about people that are so dirty, you can't imagine. And they hold out their hands and they hold out their cups. And unless somebody drops in that cup, they don't eat. Okay, because, because there's no social program for them. Now, some countries may claim they are, but there's not. Okay. They're the least of the least. They're exactly who Jesus knelt and touched, who Jesus ministered to. Every time I would see that, God would kind of just prick my heart and say, Nelson, that's you without my love. That's you without my grace. And it, 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 it dawned on me, God, that's me. <laughs> I'm messed up. I don't have any hope. Apart from you. Folks, we are, apart from God, we have nothing. Now, we may live in a big house, drive a nice car, and make a nice salary, but we don't have anything apart from God. But folks, God has loved us. God loved that, that young man that was dragging himself around. That other gentleman I saw that had this big old bulldog stretched across. I mean, he was gigantic, stretched across his lap. That dog guarded his cup when he fell asleep because he was exhausted. You wouldn't have stole out of his cup, I promise you. <laughs> None of the other beggars would have either. But God poured out his love on him. God poured out His love on, on the folks that are standing in line at the shelters because there's no heat, there's no warmth. And you know what? God loves us, folks. God loves the folks that are at the country club today. God has poured out His love on us. When we were yet sinners, God loved us and He sent Christ to die for us. And folks, until we begin to receive that, until we, we stop wrestling with God, and going, God, love me more, love me more, love me more. And so we just go, go, oh God, let me just lay back in this and soak a little bit. Let me just, let me just receive. We're never going to change. We're always going to hear, but we're not going to do. We'll never become doers of the word. The first place we have to begin so that we can become normal is to receive God's love I'm going to challenge you this week when you pray when you get beside get along with God just try receiving just hold out your hands like this and just say God I, I want to receive what you're pouring out now here will be your temptation and your tendency Oh, God, I'm sorry for this. Oh, God, if I'd have just done that. Oh, God, I messed up there. I shouldn't have said that. Oh, God, if I hadn't have thought that. Look, there's a difference between repentance and beating your step with a devil stick, okay? 
If you beat yourself with the devil, you say, no, what's the devil stick? Well, the devil beats us all the time. But after we've been beat so long and we've been shamed so long because we're not what we think we should be, he gives us the stick and we just beat ourselves. Okay? Break the stick. Toss the stick away. Just receive. So that sounds really selfish. Just receive. Okay? God doesn't need you to do anything. He wants to do something through you. God doesn't want you necessarily to do something on your own. He will do it through you. But until you have the, that place in your life where you're willing to receive his love and let him fill you up, there's nothing for you to do anyway. Okay? You, you can't accomplish it on your own. So this week, I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to get alone with God. Maybe for five minutes. Because for some of you, that it's not that you don't spend time with God, but for you not to say anything and just receive, that's going to be beyond your capability almost. Listen, there are people in this room that, that you can't even receive love from other people because you don't want, anybody, you don't want to be beholden to anybody. You know, if you, I had an aunt, God love her, but if you did something for her, she's going to do something for you. Every time I ever went to her house, she sent something home with me. My daddy would say, don't bring anything back, son. I just want you to take this basket of tomatoes to, to Aunt Murray and leave them with her. Well, she'd send me something back in what she called a poke, which was a, a flour sack or something. It'd be candy or something. She couldn't do it. And that's the way most of us are. We can't let other people minister to us. And the reason we can't is because we can't let God just love us. What would happen if we just spent the week like this? I'll tell you what would happen. Next Sunday, I wouldn't preach on what I'm preaching on. Okay? I wouldn't need to. It will be so obvious that there's no need to preach on it. I'm telling you, it will change your life. Instead of, oh God, oh God, oh God, just say, oh God, pour it out. And just stay there till he pours it out. And stay there a little longer when he pours it out. See if he's got an end to it. I can promise you this. You'll be there all week. You won't be here next Sunday. Okay? And it's okay. If you do that, you just stay in that little room and let God pour out. Because sooner or later, you're going to get so much on you that it's going to wash you out of there. It's going to change your home. It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your kids. It's going to change the place where you work. It's going to change this church. And all of a sudden, people are going to start seeing Jesus. We're going to look like Jesus. And instead of being average, folks, we're going to become normal. But we have to learn to receive God's love before we can give God's love. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.